Good morning, everybody. Thank you for listening in for a new episode of Cinephiles Radio. On Blog Talk Radio, I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Today we have a fantastic show. I know I say that every single Sunday, and we usually do have a very fantastic show. But this week, a little special. More into my geeky area, geeky territory. That was everybody's week. Mine was great. New shows, new movies coming out. These are the things we talk about on Cinephiles Radio. I, I'm a gigantic, um, what we used to call a television fan. Of course, we have people these days say, I hate television. Who has a television anymore? I mean, I, I know you have a, a gigantic screen in your, in your home, but that's not technically a television anymore. You're using your iPad, your iPhone, your computer, your Apple TV. You're using everything, AirPlay. You're using everything but cable. So you're actually forcing cable to change things. It's pretty sweet. What's really awesome about how media works today and in the world today is if you heard what Netflix made a comment about this week, which was the future of programming, the future of media, which I'm very, very excited about. See, I've always been the kind of person who collected lots and lots of DVDs and held on to them as a, you know, a library, thinking that things will never go digital, they'll always stay this way, you know, even though the only constant in the universe is change. I In my mind, I'm thinking, it won't change. I got my DVDs, I got my Blu-ray It'll go through the transition as it did since I was a child. Beta, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, HD, DVD, that kind of stuff. Nope. Those guys jump from DVD to Blu-ray straight to Netflix. I mean, Blockbuster was just decimated. So the announcement this week through Netflix was that their first original content film that they're going to film is going to be Tiger Hidden Dragon 2. They're going to produce, create that film. So, well, the, the film's already written. So it's a hydrology, I believe. It's four books. And the Crutch and Hidden Dragon, the first book, was actually a combination of the second and the third book. So this movie is supposed to be the prequel. The one between Michelle Yao and Lou Bay and, and, and how she was promised to somebody else and there's a bit of a rift and... That's what this story is supposed to take place in. So Netflix made the announcement that this would be their first original content film. What I understand is they're going to punch $120 million into this movie. Ang Lee is not going to come back to direct this film, but he's executive producing is what I understand. He's the person who made the gigantic connection between the writer and the product. And the writer died before Ang Lee could actually make the film. So if you... Type in Michelle Yao. You'll see Michelle Yao has an entire page dedicated to this author and to his family and, and Crouch and Tiger because she, she believes rightfully so that this created her American career. And it obviously did because everybody knows who she is. I mean, yeah, she was in Wing Chun and she was in Super Cop too, but this film is the film that, that really made her into something special. And she was Mrs. Malaysia back in the day. I remember when she was back in Jay Leno and she complained about Jackie Chan. 
And when you watch the background, and do not, please, do not watch the background stuff on, on Crouching Tiger, because nobody knew, like Titanic, nobody knew that this was going to be a gigantic success. So they all kind of talk a little kind of weird about things. And then the movie's just gigantic. It's a beautiful film. Anyways, Netflix original content. So that's going to happen. They already have their original content shows that they're that they're finishing off. Uh, Daredevil. They just released the Daredevil uh, image of of their lo- their new logo for the Daredevil show going on Netflix. So that's going to be sweet. Um, they also made a a uh, comment that the gap between filmmakers, the movie theaters. And going straight to DVD or Blu-ray is is defunct now. We have to change things, which is what I believed when I was a kid. When when I was a kid, you had to wait literally nine months for movies to go on VHS. And now you have to wait, what, four months, three months? Netflix wants to do it this way, and they're going to do it this way. They're going to release the movie in the screens, and they're going to release the movie on Netflix. And here's what's going to happen. People are going to stop Stealing movies. <laughs> if you can get Netflix for seven ninety nine and then watch The Edge of Tomorrow, tomorrow night, while everybody else is sitting inside of a theater because you have children, that's a gigantic payoff. Are people still going to go to the movies? Absolutely. Can you imagine a guy going, you know, I really want to go out on a beautiful date with you. We'll go out to dinner, come back to my house, watch Netflix. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it's always going to be, let's go out to dinner, let's go see a movie, because it's a, a safe place. It's, a, it's always The movie theater's always been a safe place. Newly born couples to get together and have a private time while having a public time at the exact same time. That's why dinner and a movie, which dinner is a public event, and a movie is kind of a public-private event, have always been there. So Netflix is bridging that gap now. So now all those parents who weren't able to see all those films inside the theaters who go, I can't see those movies my kids like too. Now they're going to be able to see that movie. What does that mean? What does that mean to every single human being alive today? That means that more sequels will be made. Better movies will be made. More media will be made. Why? More people are watching it. Because you're thinking, we've got... 7 billion people in the world. And there's got to be at least 4 billion, 5 billion people who have seen the Avengers. No. No. <laughs> no. Maybe 100 million people have seen the movie. 7 billion people on the earth. Okay? 7 billion. And how many people have seen the Avengers? Which is the number one movie still for Marvel. 100 million, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Now how many people will see the Avengers when it comes straight out to the theaters, and then every kid on the block is sitting next to parents watching Avengers on Netflix as it's premiering. How many how many people are going to see Avengers now? 500 million? A billion? You just, you just <laughs> pretty much uh, carpet bomb the movie industry by making them more productive. And look at the, look at the music industry. The music industry to this day still does not know how to make money off their music. And people are still stealing music left and right, and rightfully so. Why should I not steal your music? It's not like you're making it easy for me to get. Even in the 1980s, it was easier. I was able to go to a machine and get a cassette and put nine random songs on it for like $3. Now I have to go through iTunes. I mean, it's it's just silly. 
So Netflix this week, that was a gigantic. I know a lot of people did not hear about it, but it was a gigantic deal. That they're really going to change the format of cinema today. And I'm very happy about that. So if you don't have a Netflix account before and you have cable, ditch that cable and go to Netflix. If you use cable for the internet, keep your internet. Get rid of your cable. Get your Netflix. Now let me go into something else about that same subject matter. It's a, it's a little different than than the whole Netflix is awesome. Uh, on on another another edge about Netflix, I hear a lot of directors who I highly respect, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino, a lot of fantastic people saying, um, "I don't want you seeing my movie on your iPhone." I don't want to see. I don't. I don't want you seeing my movie on an iPad. I don't want you seeing my movie, you know, on your TV screen. I want you to see my movie in IMAX. I want you to see my movie on 35 mm You know, it's like it's so silly to me. That's such a silly comment to make. You know why? And I'll tell you why. It's coming from the mindset of somebody who's already found media success and fiscal success, so they're able to say these things. Oh, don't watch my movie on on an iPhone. Really? So if you made your first film ever, ever, you wouldn't want a thousand people watching your movie? Let me give you a good example. Neil Gaiman, the the creator of Sandman, was completely 100% against piracy. Made a big thing about it. Didn't want people pirating this stuff. Was very angry that a lot of countries in, in the Baltic region as well as, as uh, Western Europe were stealing his comic books. And he was very upset about that. So he did some research on it. And he decided, he goes, I'm going to do a little experiment. I'm going to put out a comic book and I'm going to put it for free. I'm going to put out a graphic novel. I'm going to make it for free. And his manager went nuts saying, you're an idiot. Um... I can't imagine that, but he said that. So he put it out. He put out this graphic novel, which was really nice for free, and it was pirated by so many countries. It was unbelievable, and everybody pirated also, or, or changed the context of the language. So they would do their own language transitions. So they changed it from American to Russian, from you know American to German, from American to you know, Croatian, they found out that the comic book went up, or the graphic novel went up by 100%. By 300%. That's gigantic. So Neil, Neil Gaiman is totally for piracy. Meaning, he knows that people are going to buy his product as well as steal his product. That if you force somebody to lie to you, they will lie to you. If you force somebody to steal from you, they will steal from you. And that's what a lot of people uh, are doing in the the music industry. And and that's why the film and media industry needs to change. And we have some great people on today. We have Morgan and Scott today from The Fifth Passenger. And I'm I'm guaranteeing to you right now when we talk to them, they're going to say, I want you to watch our movie on anything you have. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) I'm a writer. I've been writing novels since I was 18 years old. I write movies. I produce. Uh, I'll be directing soon. I I love this stuff. I, I adore it. 
any way you can watch my stuff, I thank you so much. Watch it in play form. Just read the script. Look at the script. Give it a chance. You know how many people I've given my book to and went into the bathroom and found it on the floor? You have, you have to remember those days as an artist before you start yapping your mouth off about how you want things to be inside your industry. Just be happy. Be happy. Art is such a beautiful concept. Okay, I'm off my high horse. I'm off my soapbox. Anyways, great news from Netflix. I'm super excited about the feature about movies. I, I'm still going to go to the movie. I love going to the theaters. I was in a wheelchair for two years, and <laughs> I went to go see Batman Begins literally about 28 times, 32 times in a wheelchair. I mean, that's intense. I wanted to see it in the big screen. I saw it in IMAX seven times. I had to see it in the big screen. I mean, I'm a gigantic Batman fan. So I had to see the big screen. So everybody's still going to go to the theaters. But now Netflix has a different plan. All right. Enough about Netflix. We have two great guests on today. And before we talk to them, let's talk a little bit about some Star Trek news. I'm a gigantic Star Trek fan. Always have been since I was a little kid. I love, 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 love Star Trek. And when somebody told me a couple months ago, they were saying, what's the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars? And they're young, so it's a perfectly relevant question. So I said that Star Wars is more like art and Star Trek is more like science. Well, the new movies are kind of debuffing that. It's a little more art. There's some science in there, yeah. But it's a little more arty. It's the way it needed to be, I think. I mean, after Nemesis, it needed to go in a different direction for people to still love the series. And they do. They do again. But Robert Ory was talking about, just, just this week, who's, he's, gonna, he's taking the reins for the new Star Trek film, Star Trek Three. We don't know the title yet. We don't know the script. We don't know anything yet. But we do know the cast is coming back. The big news is that they're shoehorning Kirk into it. Now, I say shoehorning. The reason why I say shoehorning is because the first film had Leonard Nimoy. The second film had Leonard Nimoy. I understand this is being a reboot. I understand that we're moving on with this, these tales. I understood that when Robert Ory took over the series and they had the debacle of the con story in the second film, that we would see them on the five-year journey already meeting new planets, new species, finding out new things. But now we're finding out that that Kirk will come back for the third third film, and even though they're working on the script and a lot of things may change, he will still be in it no matter what. Straight from his his, uh, mouth to my ears to your ears. (laughs) Now, here's the problem with that. I don't want to see Kirk. I don't want to see you. I love you to death. And I think your death scene in Generations is one of the best death scenes in a film. Um, I admire you as an actor. I really love uh, William Shatner. I really like him a lot. Great deal. I do not want to see him in the third film. I don't want to see Leonard Nimoy in the third film. Go straight into a new adventure or recorrect the timeline and bring these guys back. Do something else. But do not rehassle. It's kind of silly. So I know I'm saying this really early in the script writing process. But I've written scripts before. So just in case there's some kind of subconscious mindset or some kind of benevolent universal thought going out there in the, in the air, Robert Ory, do not put him in the movie. Please leave it... Why don't you put Captain Janeway in the film? Or Admiral Janeway? That'd be awesome. 
do that. Do something like that. Do something unexpected. Do something from one of the other lores, one of the other kingdoms, one of the other universes. Deep Space Nine. That would be awesome. Bring in one of those characters. Anyways, that just kind of got me going. and I thought I'd have a little discussion with you today about that one. Um, it was a little a little disappointing. I mean, I'm a st- I'm one of those guys who, you know, when I worked locations as as a, as a youngster, you know, you you watch the sausage being made in front of your face, and the problem is with that is you start to become a little disillusioned by the by the Hollywood process, and when you see movies, you start to see yourself in the process. So you start to see yourself behind the screen or behind the camera, and seeing the movie. And, you're dissecting it, and you're seeing what you would do and what somebody else would do, and you're, you're seeing the mistakes they're making, you're seeing all these things. And it takes a while for you to get rid of that, to just enjoy the movie, to close your eyes, to close your brain, to close your nose, and just go in there and enjoy the movie. And, and Morgan and Scott are going to probably say the exact same thing, that it's very difficult to make that transition from being in the media industry and then going on and enjoying a movie for yourself. And when we get to that point, it's very difficult to go back and start to dissect what other creators are doing on their films. Number one, it's difficult to direct do that anyways because you're judging somebody else's work before it's even finished. So that's kind of unfair. And the second one is you have no idea what they're doing. They're just kind of making plans. So you may be saying something that's wrong. But here's the issue. When you see something that you love, like Star Trek, and you've watched like the first season, first series, and then next generation, and then you were just addicted to it, especially as a child, then you're going to have a certain affinity for the lore. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about overrunning writers and making them do what you want them to do. I'm, I'm talking about consistency and enjoyment of the product. And Ray Bradbury, when he made Star Trek, I mean, there's movies, there's books, there's comic books, there's TV shows. There's so many things going into this universe. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk to Morgan and Scott about the, fel- the films they're, w- they're working on. It's going to be fantastic. So, a letter to Robert Ori out there and all the guys working on Star Trek, the film, the third film. Please, 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 please give us something brand, brand spanking new. That's what we want. Well, you heard enough of me. Thank you very much for listening. So, we have two great guests on today. We have Scott Baker, the director, writer, and producer of The Fifth Passenger. And I hope I say her name correctly. It's Morgan Lurai, who is also a producer uh, and an actress on uh, The Fifth Passenger. And I, I can't wait to speak to them. So let's just get them on right now. So, to know we do, here we go. Hello, how are you guys doing? Hey, doing pretty good. How are you? Very good. You got your nice welcome applause there. So, oh, so Scott, Scott, you got the fifth passenger working on there. Now, before we get mm-hmm. get into that area, you're the director of this film. Please, and that's only the the tip of the iceberg of of your career. I mean, you're a writer, a producer. You've done everything. I would love to know how how in the world did you get started in this this media industry? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a funny thing. Um, ever since I was a little kid, I've, I've been fascinated with, with films and movies. Um, uh, I love, like, I'd say like my three favorite films as a kid were Clash of the Titans, 
Star Wars and Wizard of Oz. And those are movies that, that, that when they came on TV, it didn't matter what was going on. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to see these films. Um, and and I, I, I wanted to be an actor, and I did a lot of, like, uh, I did, like, church plays and school plays and things like that. Um, and then when, when I got, got into high school, um, I, uh, my, my best friend wanted to be a special effects makeup artist. And so we took my dad's VHS camera up to the backyard and just started making movies and figure out how, you know, how can we make a movie where I get my finger chopped off? And, um, I mean, you know, and and so in, in, in that process, I was, I started writing and directing and editing, um, I mean, it was just me and him and a camera and, you know, uh, you know, another VCR to do the editing, but you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the basics of, of filmmaking right there. Um, right. And as we started doing that, we would get other friends involved and we would get better equipment and better, you know, better productions together. And it just, it kind of all grew from that. And, and then I, I, I just, you know, I fell in love with that, that creating process, the idea of being able to make a story and, or you know you know tell that story to people right. and the sort of movie magic of of what you can do with editing and and create the illusion of um other worlds or just other realities and things like that um and so i just i just kept doing more and more things and and along the way um teaching myself everything i could about every aspect of filmmaking um right yes. now i do writer I do, producer um, editor director yeah. I mean, you've hit the entire gambit yeah, yeah, I, I do. I even do um, a lot of steady cam work and, and other like you know director photography work. Um, you know, I've, I've been I've been living here in, in in LA for a few years and just doing whatever I can do to survive in the industry and, and learn as much as I can along the way while also you know helping other people with their projects and then you know trying to right. uh, trying to make my own things. Right. Did, did... Here, here's my. Well, I have a question for you before we even go even further into the, these conversations because I have a lot of questions for you today. I, I've been, you know, we had I had two weeks to prepare for this show, so I've got a litany of questions for you. But uh, one of them, one of them is, is that, you know, this isn't the first time I'm looking at somebody's resume. And I'm just seeing just a slew of things that you can do and a slew of things that you're willing to do and things that are considered below your skill level or your wage or whatever some egomaniac might do that you're just doing, mm-hmm. do you find that people who are not willing to spread themselves around don't make it as well as people who are willing to do all the things? Um, you know, it's, this industry is so diverse. And, and I think um, that, that there are people who like, I'm a writer and that's all I do, or I'm a cameraman and that's all I do, or I, I'm an editor. And, and there, there are people who are very, very successful in, in that industry. And, and I think there are certain, there are certain things that kind of pair well together. And, and, and obviously why you hear a lot about writer, director people is because, because those, those two skill sets kind of, you know, pair together well, because you're, you're the one with, with the idea, you're the one telling the story. Um, like, like for me personally, I don't, you know, the one thing that I never really got into was like composing music. You know, I, I can, I can edit and I can take music that's already, that's already created and sound effects are already there and I can lay them in and create the sound design for something. But I, I never really learned how to compose music. It just wasn't my strong suit because I just don't have a good ear for that. Um, right. and it, you know, I, I think, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of different people out there, but the, the industry is changing, and I think 
that it, it's hard to be successful and say, I'm like, especially like, I'm just going to be a writer or I'm just going to be right. an actor because cause then you're, you're at the mercy of somebody else to, to be the producer or whatever to actually create the thing that's going to be done. If, if, if you're an actor, you're, you're, you know, you have to wait for somebody to cast you in something. Um, if you're, you know, if, if if you want to say, oh, I'm just a director, that's one of the hardest things in the in you know out here to get hired to do is to be a director. You know, most directors are directing something that they've written or are producing or at least like co-producing with somebody else. Um, but right. I, I think there's, um, you know, I think there's definitely something about this idea of learning as many aspects of the industry as you can. You know, one of the people that's, that's helped me out a lot um, is, is another science fiction filmmaker, Neil Johnson. And he makes these, these great, these great sci-fi films. Um, and, and he does everything himself, you know, uh, I mean, obviously he has help from other people, right. but you know, he, he goes in and he, he writes a story and he starts building the sets and he, he, you know, shoots the film and he does most of the editing and the visual effects stuff. Um, and you know, there's there's this there's this um, this phenomenon where where the more you know about the process, you know, the better you are, I think, with with every little thing along the way. Like if you're a director and you, you know how to edit, you know, you know ahead right. of time what you're doing. Um, when I'm you know when I'm getting ready to shoot something, I'll draw my own storyboards, and and those storyboards are based on how I know the film is going to be edited. Because I'm 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 already right. thinking of of what that what of what that's going to be, and you know I, I've worked as, as like a as like a director of photography. I've worked with directors who don't quite have that that ability to 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 understand what that final product is going to look like. And so oh well, we'll just shoot it. You know, it's just two people sitting at a table talking, and that's what the scene is. But it's it's uh, how how do you translate? what that scene is into the into the two dimensional space of, you know, the T V screen that you're gonna see and, and, and understanding that. Um so yeah, I mean I think, you know, back back to your question, I think, you know, there are people who's who who get by in this industry by specializing in one thing and doing that one thing really well. Um but it's a you know it's a it's a doggy dog, you know, industry here and everybody wants in, everybody wants a piece of it. So the so the so the more skills you have you know, the more tools you have on your little Swiss Army knife, I think, you know, the more likely you are to get some work and to be able to, to succeed on to, you know, to a certain extent. Um, right. And and for me, it's just you like, know, I just, I was going to say, you know, for me, it's just like, I, I take every opportunity I can to work on, on, on anything. If it's, you know, I, 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 I try to make a lot of friends and try to be involved as many people's projects as I can. If somebody says, hey, we need a camera guy, Oh yeah, I'll do that. Oh hey, you know we need an editor. Oh, I, I can help there. Or you know, oh we need someone to to hold the boom. Oh okay, I, I can do that. Just just to be a part of people's right. productions and to be on set and to be working is you know what I love to do. Well, what's interesting is as I was watching uh, you know the trailer for the Fifth Passenger, I was <laughs> loving a lot of the movement. I saw a lot of the, a lot of the projects you did. I, I loved the movement that you had inside yeah. of the project that you, that you created. And he, here's a, a question that I have for you. You know, and I'm not trying to put down George Lucas at all because the guy did create something that is part of our genre forever, part of pop culture forever. But when you look at the prequels, it's stand talk, sit talk, walk talk. It's 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 very stilted as a film. 
Uh, it doesn't move at all. It's very stagnant as far as the prequels go, and I'm not talking about Empire and anything like that. But where, 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 do you, where do you get your knowledge for blocking and movement? For me, it was plays and, and things like that in college. I did a lot of plays, and it was very easy to understand blocking and movement and camera. How was it for you? Because when I saw the, the, the Fifth Passenger, or at least the trailer, I really loved the camera movement. I really loved the placement. I really loved the block. Mm-hmm. And you have a small space. I mean, you don't have a gigantic yeah, yeah. space in there. It's small. It's a capsule. But you have yeah. movement in there. Mm-hmm. So, so um, was that an act of thought in your mind? Yeah, I think, I think for sure, especially something like this, you know, it's like an action type of, type of feel to it. And, you know, you want that. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I do, I do steady cam work. And so that obviously is just in, inherently movement. Um, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of movies and, and I, I study them and, and I try to, you know, I try to either recreate things that I've seen or, you know, learn from the things that I've seen. Um, and it's just, it's, it's like a fundamental sort of, sort of thing. I think, you know, um, engaging the audiences, you know, moving the camera around and, and being dynamic with it. Um, and, you know, honestly, it, it, it's also something that, that saves you a lot of time too. If you, if you put, put the camera on a steady cam, um, you can you can walk around the shot and and just let the actors do their thing um and, and the camera's moving and you're getting it all in one take without okay now we're gonna set it up here and then we're gonna move the tripod over there and then we're gonna move the tripod over there and keep redoing the scene. There there's a, there is definitely like even on set an uh an efficiency about it which is kind of like a win win. Right. Let's go back. Uh, I see that findings. You you were you, uh-huh. you were an actor. Uh, you were. Did you did you direct that as well? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And tell tell us about that project because I, I see that this is one of the one of the older projects you did. You acted in it as Terry Richards, PhD. Uh, tell us about that <laughs> and how how that kind of how <laughs> I think there's going to be a funny story coming up here. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, um, that was you know at. at the you know the basis of that is like you know ghost hunters meets Reno nine one one um and that was like you know we made that at the height of like the ghost hunter thing um uh, like like two thousand seven you know or, or around there they were like you know there must have been like a half a dozen like ghost hunter paranormal type shows on TV and I was um I was out somewhere and you know I I, I never really was like like a person who watches a lot of TV, you know, I tend to watch more movies unless somebody like says, Oh, there's this show you gotta watch, like like Breaking Bad, you gotta watch this show is awesome, you know. Right. So uh I was I was at a, a hotel somewhere and this the Ghost Hunter show came on and I was like, oh, I I'd kinda heard about it but I never really watched it and so I, so I sat down, I watched the episode and it it blew my mind, like I was just it, it, it made me so livid, like like watching this show because these guys come in to these 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 people and they're like oh you know I think my, my you know my place is haunted and right. these guys come in and they do their little phony tests and and everything and 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 you know you know they don't ever really find anything that's like okay this is evidence that there's a ghost it's always kind of like nebulous sort of oh I felt something there did you feel that and uh, or, or my little meter did this and it's like it's so like quasi scientific. Like you know, they they yeah. have their little meters and they and they and they use you know fake scientific jargon, um, and 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 that's something that you know that I'm passionate about is the science and things like that. And so it was just 
like like I watched the show and I was like, man, people like watch this and I know I know my mom watches this and she thinks this is like legit, you know. And right. so I was like, I, I just wanted I just wanted to parody it and I I was like, man, I wish I could just like, you know, I, I don't want to like kill those guys because that's that's not who I am. But it was like, well, you know, since, since I'm a filmmaker, I, I, I will kill them on, on the screen. Um, and so it was, it was like initially just started like like as a one-off. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this one just to kind of you know parody the show. And then um, after we did it, you know, it was it was it was a learning experience working on it because I I had never really shot anything reality style or like edited anything reality style. So I ended up having to go and watch like episode after episode of the show to like learn the the you know their jargon and uh how the things are edited and everything like that so that when we created our parody it was you know effective um right. and then and then after, after we made it we're like oh there's a whole world like like we could just go you know the first one's about ghosts and then we're like well you know we could go and we could do every sort of mythological creature that's there and we could do every sort of paranormal type thing, you know, the next one we did was was about the Chupacabra, and then we're like, oh, we could do Bigfoot, and we could do an Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of thing, and we could do, you know, the Mothman, and the, you know, we could go down and, and we could do a whole season of it, and and um, we just didn't get much traction as far as, like, on, on YouTube and, and um, right. everything like that. At, at the time, I, you know, I had no idea about, like, how do you, how do you market something? How do you get something out there so, so that people watch it? Um, and, and, you know, they were a bit long, too. I mean, they were, they were like, 20-minute episodes. We, like, broke them down in, into right. segments. And, you know, we had this, this, this idea. Is, this, maybe is we could... this is 2008. I don't, I don't even think the iPhone was out back then. So <laughs> things were, were quite different even in 2008. It was, it was a little more difficult to get things out there. It was kind of weird how just even six yeah. years or seven years could make that much of a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely was, like, people were, were watching stuff online on YouTube and people were subscribing and there was starting, you know, the the sort of infancy of like the viral video and things like that. But these were, these were a bit too long to be that viral video, you know, like your, your, your ideal viral video was like 30 seconds long or something like that. Right. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Right. The, you know, a dramatic gopher or whatever it is. It's like, you know, like 10 seconds long. So, you know, it's like, you know, that, that wasn't very like a, a successful venture for us. It was something that we, we, kept thinking about revisiting like well maybe we could you know piece together a feature film like like reno 911 did a, did a feature film and, and then you know that would be something that would be easy to do because because that was all us just like filming each other like as actors and characters in the show we had cameras and we were actually filming with all those cameras just like they do on on, on the real ghost hunter show so the 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 production cost was was relatively low to shoot something like that, um, but just as, as things go, you know, other, other projects came up and, and, and we moved on to other things. But but that that was very much I think the sort of core of of the type of uh, you know thing that interests me. Whether it's it's like you know horror fantasy kind of like uh, taking taking ideas and concepts. Uh, whether they're their morals or ethics or or humor and, and and placing them in this this other world this 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 fantasy world or this this world of horror or sci-fi or something that um, you know like I, I I like that kind of film you know I, I I understand why people like movies like Kevin Smith's uh, Clerks like I, I I understand why people like that kind of movie but it's not the kind of movie I would ever make because it's it's just people talking. About 
about real stuff and real life or whatever, you know, like I like I like the, the sci-fi horror fantasy, something that's outside of reality because, you know, film and cinema is like a dream um, and, and you, you have this fantastic opportunity to, to create dreams for people to see and I, and I think uh, doing anything less than that is a, is a, is a waste of, of my efforts. Nice. You know, we have a question here, and it's from uh, Matthew Hunt. Who comes up with the wardrobe? Also, how did you end up getting Tim? Ethan, Marina, um, interesting down the film. Okay. Um, well, so for for the costume, you know, on the um, on on the trailer, it was something that that you know that that was very much a a proof of concept thing, right? We you know we wanted to show what's what's this film going to kind of look and feel like, and and so we. We, you know, put together costumes that, that, that we could afford at the time that had the kind of look and feel of, of, of we thought it would get, you know, quasi-military. You know, they were actually, what they were wearing were, um, you know, real flight suits that, like, Air Force or whatever flight suits that we had gotten at the at the Army Surplus store and then, you know, modified with patches and stuff like that to, to work for us and, uh, you know, rented a, a space suit from, from one of the costume rental places here here in L.A., um, but we have, you know, since then we've gotten, um, we've gotten somebody to do some, some great, um, you know, uh, concept art for, for our costumes, for, for what we're going to do for the feature, you know, something, something unique and different and, you know, perfect for our world. Um, and so, but, but definitely it's going to, it's going to be in that similar vein, you know, where it's, it's, uh, almost a, you know, a military kind of, kind of uniform. They're not military but it's this you know like like nasa is not part of part of the military um i guess it was it used to be part of the air force but it's not anymore it's its own thing um and so you know they they still have that tradition of the you know, you have the uniform and it's a it's like a jumpsuit kind of thing or, or or whatever so so you know we're gonna go something along the lines on, on the feature for that um as, as far as the the star trek um actors and things um I met uh, Mono and Taremi on a, a shoot that I was doing Steadicam for, and uh, we, we just started talking, and, and I didn't know who he was um, and, and until he, he, he told me, because, you know, I'd, I'd seen Voyager, but, you know, he, he was in you wait, know, the oh, later seasons. Wait, hold and, on a second. You, you didn't recognize Tim Russ? No, no, no. Um, um, Mono and Taremi. Um, oh, who, who, Yeah, who was, who was, who was Echeb in Voyager. Um, right. and right. so, so him, him and I started talking and, and, you know, I told him about the passenger and everything like that. And he, you know, said, Hey, well, you know, send, send the script over. I'll take a look at it. And he, you know, he just ended up being perfect for, for this part that we had. And, and, um, when, when he read the script, he was super excited about it. And he's like, hi, I'm on board. What do you, you know, what do you need? What are you guys doing? And so he, he, he came aboard very excited and, and, since he goes to all the conventions and was on Voyager and he keeps in touch with all those people, he he's in contact. And so he was, he was the one that, that helped us, um, you know, reach out to Tim and Marina, um, uh, because he's super excited about the project and, and the, the science fiction community here, here in LA is, is, is pretty strong. You know, you find, you find one person on a project um, that's that's science fiction, yeah. and you, you 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 can't help but run into you know a dozen other people, whether it's it's, it's actors or visual effects people or costume or 
um, you know, props and things like that. Um, I was, you know, I've, I've just been recently working on Space Command, um, and they've they've got, you know, they've they've got. Well, a I love those photos, by the way, for Space Command. Those, those yeah, photos yeah. are really awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got uh, yeah. Bill Mooney and and Robert Picardo and Doug Jones and and you know all these these other great sci-fi people. And it's just it's yeah. Um, there's there's something about sci-fi I think as as a genre that that is like like a community more than any other genre film. You know, there there's definitely oh, like like yeah. There's there's definitely like a horror community I think of, of people that like horror films, but it's 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 sure. different. Um, I think just in, yeah. in in the nature of of what science fiction is, I think it it excites people in a, in a good way, in a way that has them thinking about the future and and things like that. Where where while, while horror right. has its its community, it's it's obviously by nature darker and and about death and things like that. And uh, so <laughs> you know you you have you know you have like like your screen queens and things like that, but it's it's not quite. It's not quite like like science right. fiction. Well, that, that's the very interesting about sci-fi and horror. And I'm very glad that you mentioned that because sci-fi is more like spring and horror is more like winter, where everything just dies uh-huh. off. And sci-fi is more like things growing. And that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why when you when you meet like Event Horizon and you you meet mm-hmm. sci-fi with horror, there seems to be some kind of defunctory thing going around in your brain where it's like this is supposed to be like a utopia. We have spaceships and we're we're like we still have like murders. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I, I really I really love that mixture, but it's it's really it's really nice and really it kind of insane to me to see uh, these casts coming together. Now Tim Tim has been recycled to the, to the uh, uh, Enterprise and into the uh, Star Trek universe about four times yeah. I believe now, and uh, getting uh, Marina Sirtis in there is just a brilliant thing in there. I mean I when I saw you you posting that you had her on the movie that that was just amazing to me. There's a gigantic uh-huh. following of people who yeah, follow yeah. sci-fi, uh-huh. so people were ex- extremely excited about this. Tell me, uh, when you got Marina, were, were you excited about that, how, and how excited were you by by getting her casted in the film? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a bit um, it was a bit surreal in in that like you know I I watched Next Gen in 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 high school. Um, uh, I guess it was like like right. late junior high, early high school for me when I was watching it. And um, you know these, these people that are just like like on my TV every night, you know, and uh, um, and and so you know it, it's 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 a kind of thing where where you know when I first came into this project, um, this was something like oh this is a it, it started off as as a you know I, I'd written a couple scenes and 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 I did a table read with some fellow filmmakers and I had you know I hadn't written the script and I had no actors attached and. Like oh this is maybe some film I'll be able to make in 15 years after I've made a whole bunch of other films and you know I get some right. capital behind my name and and when 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 Manu and Tim and some of the other people came aboard the project it, you know it started to gather steam and and it it you know we made the trailer and and it looked like it it might right. be a reality you know to make and so at, at that point you start looking at like okay well who are who are some people that that we can maybe get on, onto this project like you know you know one of the things that 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 filmmakers do when they're putting a film together is they have their like wish list of like okay well these, these are actors like oh this is kind of like a Tom Hanks role and this is kind of like a you know a, a, a Charlize Theron kind of role or something like that you know and and right. so you, you know you have this like like wish list of of people and 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 when 
when the opportunity came, you know, to work with her and to have her on, it was just like, like I didn't even have her on, on a wish list because it was like, I, I, I didn't even imagine that this is a person that I would be able to get onto this project. It was just, it was just even beyond my radar as, as somebody, because I just think of her as this, this iconic actress on, on, on next gen and, 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 and all the films that right. she was in. And, um, so I, I just didn't, it didn't even enter my mind as, as something. And, and so when, when, um, you know, we put out the letter to her and, and, and everything like that. And she, she was, she was on board and, and everything. It's, uh, it's like, yeah, like I said, it was, it was very kind of surreal thing, sort of like past the idea of like excitement. It was like, is this even really happening? I, I can't believe this is even happening, you know? Right. It must be, it must be surreal. You know, I, I was watching uh, Voyager just the other day and I was, you know, we, we going through my, a lot of my favorite episodes and, and, uh, Certainly, towards the last season, she's in several episodes with, with Reg, where they're trying to bring Voyager back, and it, it's very interesting because I'm trying to see if she and Tuvok or her, her and Tim have any scenes together, and they they don't, but they have that connection in there in that same Star Trek universe. So to have them in the same movie is is quite a blessing, and uh, and yeah. you know just like when I see certain shows from like Canada when they bring Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek actors and Battlestar Galactica actors together. It's very much how Americans are bringing Joss Whedon and J.J. Abrams characters together in films as well. It really brings mm-hmm. a cinematic sci-fi pop into your brain that is kind of hard to hold on to because it's bringing mm-hmm. all these different elements together. Did you feel the same way when you brought uh, Tim and Marina in, into the film that, that this was going to hit different periods of the brain as far as sci-fi goes because these are part of two different universes inside the same universe of Star Trek? Um, yeah, and, and, and I think I think for me it's um, so much that because this is not a, a, a Star Trek film um, right. that that I, I'm giving these actors uh, uh, roles that, that aren't who their roles were in the Star Trek universe. They're these these right. are these are these are completely different roles for these characters. Um, and, and, right. and I think, you know, you know, that for me is, is, is important, especially for, for actors that are, that are in genre. And I think it's easy to kind of typecast them as like, okay, well, this is, you know, this, you know, Tim Ross is going to play the unemotional, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and die hard. Yeah, yeah. He was the unemotional FBI agent in, in die hard. And I'm like, he's just playing. Uh, a, a Vulcan right now. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They're not giving him. Yeah, yeah. This guy's an actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so and so I think I think that's that's important, you know, for me and and doing that is, is giving them something that that um, that uh, that is different and it's not you know I'm not, I'm not typecasting these guys into what what kind of like you know quasi what what they were doing in Voyager or or Next Gen or you right. know whatever and. And, and and this 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 whole thing is a you know like like I said it's a it's it's not a Star Trek movie it's a it's a it's a whole different universe and and, and it's a whole okay. different thing. Now that, before that, we bring Morgan on, you know, let's 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 get off that Star Trek tip and let's talk about what is this film, what is this movie, what is it about? It it looks incredibly mm-hmm. interesting to me. I love I love claustrophobic uh, sci-fi films. It it, it really uh-huh. intrigues me. Uh, so th- this is not a Star Trek film, boys and girls. If you if you watch the the trailer, which is up on your IMDb right now, it's on our it's on our page right now. Uh, the great thing about the trailer is you get to see very very um, familiar faces acting 
very different than what you're used to seeing them uh, act like. Please tell us about this film and what is it about and, and what inspired you to make this movie? Um, well, 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 the basic pitch of this film uh, is, is that it's a, about a small group of astronauts that are in an escape pod after their ship blows up. Um, and so it's this lifeboat in space. Uh, and, and as you would have any sort of thing like that, there's, you know, resources run low and people are fighting about, you know, who, who gets what and who's in charge and the sort of, you know, for me, what I love is it's this, um, you know, you have the, the social hierarchy breakdown. Um, uh, the, the backstory of, of, of this film is that it's um, after a, uh, a catastrophic event on Earth, the, the Yellowstone caldera volcano has erupted and completely turned Earth into turmoil. And, and so you have these ships that are taking, um, taking people to, to a new world. Um, and as you would expect, not, not everybody gets to go to the new world, just the, you know, the rich elite people get to go. But um, the people working on the ships, they're not, they're not necessarily the rich and elite people. So you have what you, they like, like underclass people working the ships, kind of like, kind of like the Titanic. Um, so so when, when the ship explodes and people get on, on, the, on the escape pods, you, know, you have a mix of these elite people and you also have a mix of the, of the underclass people. But that, that social hierarchy doesn't, doesn't matter anymore inside the escape pod, um, except to the people who, who, who think it still matters. You know? um, and, then, and then in that whole mix, you add in a, a, a deadly alien creature and um, that's, that's our film. That's intense. I, I did not know there was an alien creature in there. I think I was just focusing on certain certain things. But so they have all this other drama going on, and there's an alien creature trying to kill them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see why these guys jumped on these uh, on the film. But that's that's incredibly uh, impressive. So you you wrote the film. Uh, you wrote the mm -hmm. film with Morgan as well as uh, David Martin, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was no. um, uh, I was gonna say it, you know it was an idea that that I that I had come up with, and then um, I, I'd, I'd written a couple scenes for a table read, and and met Morgan as as an actress, and um, thought that she'd be great for the for the lead, so so I brought her on, and she um, she was excited about it, and she helped me write. Um, she helped me write the script, and we went through a couple drafts, and then we we uh, we brought in David Martin to help uh, do a couple more different versions of the film, um, and then nice. then we subsequently rewrote it a couple times. And it's one of those things, you know, where you're just like, okay, you know, I've, I've got this this germ of an idea, and and I gotta you know I gotta keep I gotta keep uh, polishing it up to make it work, you know, adding this and taking out that, and and um, you know, getting getting it ready to go um, as, as far as, the, as that goes, you know, because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm right. far from, you like, like a perfect writer. I, I have a hard time with, with, with dialogue, and I'm, I'm honest about that. Like, I, I know the action, and I know, I know the, 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 overar the overarching things that happen in the film. Sometimes, like, when it gets down to the actual things that people say, I, 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 Sometimes I'm at a loss on what it is people say, so uh, so it's nice having other right. people to come on and, and help me figure that kind of stuff out. Nice, you know, we, we I spoke to Ryan T. Husk a, a several times, and I see that you know 
one of the things we were talking about was this film. He plays Roger Blaine in this film right here. That guy needs to work on his looks. I mean, doesn't he, I mean, he needs to be better looking than that to be a star? Yeah, right. Don't you think? Or taller? Yeah. Or, or a better build? Like, Jesus Christ. I look at that guy, I'm like, what in the world are you eating, man? The, the, the look and be. He reminds me a lot of, of Christopher Reeve. Uh, oh, I'll be okay. honest. Uh, so, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was I was I was just agreeing with you, and I'm I'm looking at his oh. picture, and I'm in awe. <laughs> Bastard, I know. <laughs> well, before being, uh, I want to bring Morgan on so she can t- tell us a little bit about the story. And uh, but I want to mention uh, Ryan Husk because he produces the uh, the movie with you as well, and mm-hmm. and uh, he he was so kind as to suggest that you guys come on the show. So I'm, I'm very grateful for him for doing that. It, it, Hollywood and, and the, the movie industry and media industry very much is how nice you are and who you know. And who you know is how nice you are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you find that to be the same way? Uh, you know, Do you find yourself having to be that uh, that kind of jerk in, in media to get things done? Or, or do you find yourself that you don't have to compromise your, your identity to, to get things done in this world? You know, I... I, I... I find that that um, you know working on, on films is is like anything else. It's a it's a relationship that you have with people, um, and when when you're on a film, especially like a long production, um, by the end of it, you feel like you're you're family with all the people that you're working with, um, and you know. But it's but it's family that you get to choose when you go on to the next project, and and you know if someone's if someone's a jerk on a project. And I've got something else coming on. Be like, well, hey, that guy was really good at whatever role he he played or he did in the film, whether it was an actor or a crew or something like that. But man, he was a jerk to work with. I don't want to spend twelve hours a day for two weeks with that guy again. I'm not going to work with him. Right. So you know, I mean, it's um, it's uh, you know, it's like anything else, uh, where where definitely your personality and your attitude matters, and and you know. Uh, there, there are some great people in this industry that are very giving with their time and with their skills, and and you know part of the reason why we got that that trailer done is is because um, of, of like exchanging services and and helping other people out. Like I, I barter with with my things that you know that I have, whether it's my gear or it's my time or my services. I say, you know, what do you need for your film that I can do, um, and then and then you can help me out later on. When, when I've got something that I'm doing, um, and it's and it's it's you know cutting out the middleman of having to pay people sometimes is, is a great thing, um, especially for for indie filmmakers. It's like I can come out and I can do Steadicam for your project for free, and then when I have something, you come out and you know you uh, you know you do sound for me or you do you know help me edit this thing or you know whatever you know whatever it is. It's it's finding ways to work with people and, and having that community, and I think that's where attitude comes comes in so much um uh, you know you you could you could be a cutthroat kind of person and, and get to the industry that way but that's that's not that's not what i want to do and that that's not the, you know the people that i surround myself with right well we want to we want to bring morgan on right now but before we get to that I want, I want to get to matthew's question his last question right here which is uh speaking of props who is doing yours and are there any in particularly challenging um, we, uh, we, we have a couple different people that are, that are going to be helping us out with, with the props and things. Um, 
Uh, so as far as like um, anything particularly challenging, you know, one of the things that that I I, um, I haven't talked a lot about on on the site or or anything like that is is that we we have this particular piece of technology in in the film um, uh, that that. That is like a it, it's it's its own unique thing, and it's it's what what really makes this like a a great sci-fi film or you know great sci-fi story. I think is that there is this really this this really like unique kind of technology in there that I that I kind of want to leave as, as a surprise for when people watch the movie. So so you know I don't want to talk Absolutely. too much about it, but 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 there Absolutely. is there is um, there is a bit of a challenge in in trying to create this this particular. Um, piece of technology and making it look good, and you know, the last thing I want to do is, is have anything that kind of looks hokey. And so it's it's um, you know finding finding ways to to create certain props to make them you know look look legitimate, even though they're they're they're, they're things that don't actually exist. You know, we don't have any uh, phasers or tricorders or you know anything like that. Um, like in the trailer. There's the the moment in the beginning where you see you see Tim and, and and Morgan and there's the the graphics that are floating up in front of them. Um, we're going to do a lot of that because so I think I think that's the future. Honestly, I think that's the kind of thing we're going to see in the future. It's uh, even you know iPads seem awesome to us now. iPads and touchscreen, you know, in in a, in, a, in a hundred years, imagine what that's going to evolve into. And I think it'll be something like you know holographic graphics that float in front of you that you can that you can manipulate with and so so that that's an interesting thing in in the in, in that sense where the it's almost like an, an absence of props in in that where where you know you, you you don't have a lot of physical things that that you're interacting with because because that's sort of like where our technology is going is is removing everything that's physical so you're 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 Creating, you know, virtual environments that, that that you're interacting with. Right. Well, we all know how oh, sci-fi products look like when they're off-screen. They, they certainly look a little more plasticky and sheeny. Was Was there anything on, on like Space Commander or or the, the Fifth Passenger that looked great on screen but looked horrible in front of your face that you were afraid that this was going to bring you back to like 1960s Doctor Who? Was there anything like yeah, that for you? I, I, I said, you know, it, it's it's funny because the the whole set where we shot this passenger trailer on, you, when when you go there, when I first went there and I stood in it, it's like, man, it's like there's like black plastic um, uh, pallets and stuff from like random bits and pieces from Home Depot that have been spray painted and glued to the walls and the hoses and tubes and pipes and things and. You know, you stand there, you look at it, and like if you touch it, the whole wall moves, and nothing is as like sturdy and and solid as as it appears. Um, but yeah, as soon as you as soon as you fire up the camera and you you know you turn the lights on, you add a little bit of smoke, and the, the background's a little bit out of focus. It's that that you know your your mind fills in the blanks, and you just you know as we are humans, we just we we just take things for granted as what they are. You know, if, if you present something right. that looks like a wall of electronics, our brain is, just goes with it. Unless, you, unless you know, you're a really terrible filmmaker and you give give the audience an opportunity to to question that by, you know, showing that it doesn't work or you're pushing on it, you can see it bend or something like that. But yeah, I mean, even you know, like right. like, like the Space Command sets look awesome. Like, 
um, on on camera they look fantabulous, and in in, in real life they look great. Uh, but you know anything you know you get up too close to it and you're like, oh, that's just kind of something that's like wedged in there, or it's just a decal, or you know that's just a you know that's just a little TV monitor with a DVD player attached to it to show the graphics or something, you know. And um, but that's you know that's that's the movie magic, right? Is is taking those things that don't look quite real and, and making them look real. But it, it 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 is amazing how much just when when you when you turn the camera on how how much all that stuff seems so much more real. It's funny that you said movie magic because that's exactly what I was going to say. Essentially what you're saying to me right now is that movie magic still exists and people still use it to this day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even even more so with all we can do with computers and VFX and green screen and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. I think it's a, it's, it's a whole new level. It's... Um, you know, as, as we, I, I think as viewers, we've become more sophisticated. And, you know, you watch right. something like like Clash of the Titans, you know, the, the old one that I loved as a kid. And, you know, the little stop motion Ray Harryhausen stuff, you know, it looks hokey to people now. Um, I, I still think there's something magical about about the movement of those creatures. I mean, that, that guy was, was, was truly gifted in, you know, what he did. But, you know, you watch the remake, and that's that's what people expect now. You know, they expect to see the 20-foot monster interacting with the actor in, in ways that, right. like, really only right. CG and green screen can do for you. Um, and, and I think there, you know, with, with anything, it's a, it's a trade-off. I think you're, you're, there's, there's pros and cons to that whole thing, and, and it's, I don't think it's worth it to go into the value judgment about, you know, oh, what's better, practical or, you know, computer effects. I think every every effect has its unique needs and sometimes it's a practical effect, sometimes it's a it's a it's a computer effect and sometimes it's a it's a marriage of both and that's it. But it, I think it's it's the smart filmmaker that knows when to use which one of those things. Um, you know, Jurassic right. Park is a great example where whenever you know the dinosaurs are out running, that's a CG effect. But when you know the 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 claw or the 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 mouth comes in through the window and attacks the actor. That's a physical prop, you know. And 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 Spielberg right. was 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 so smart in knowing when to use which one. Because if you have the, the computer effect smashing through the window and attacking the actor, it, it's not going to look right because because they're, they're so close together. And if you try to get a huge puppet running across a field, I mean that's going to look. There's really no way to do that and make that look good. You know, so um, you know that's that's a that's a that's a smart filmmaker knowing knowing you know when when to use which. Right. Well, let's not delay any more. Let's get Morgan on the show. We're going to take a small little break, boys and girls. We're going to take a sixty-second break. Don't not very long. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Scott, for talking to us. You're going to stay on the show. We're going to talk more with Scott uh, along the way. Uh, we have still have an hour long more with the show. Uh, I love talking. Scott, thank you very, very much for being on here right now as we switch on to Morgan. We're going to take a small little break right now. Uh, please listen to some reggae. I hope you love it. We all do. And we'll come back in here with Morgan. Thanks, Scott. Thank you.
you know, I started talking to Morgan on on um, I started talking to Morgan on the uh, on the break there, and we just started started having a long term conversation. I realized this would make much better radio. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's bring on Morgan. Hello, Morgan. How are you doing? I'm great, Steve. How are you? Very good. So you're Italian, that's all, and a little Sicilian in there. So we we got we got our backgrounds pretty pretty clear. Yeah, well, that's I mean, it's, good. it's mostly Italian. It's, there's some, you know, Western European, and then there's actually some Native American in there too. It's, you know, I'm classically American. I'm I'm quite a mutt, but there is like a quarter Italian. And the Italian kind of seems to dominate, so I just kind of go with that. <laughs> Well, you know what's happening. People at home right now are imagining you and I talking on the radio while using our hands as we're talking. Because <laughs> you know, well, we I don't know. If, was that? Are, are you using your hands right now? Absolutely, I can't talk without them. I know. I, I you know, it's funny. I'm not haha funny, but I, I have a, a student who his mother is deaf, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, I spent. My entire existence using my hands as a form of communication, and I don't know sign language. That seems so backwards to me. It doesn't make any sense. I know. Italians would be excellent at sign language, except it would be very, very, it would be operatic almost. Um, I also found, like, I I tried to learn Mandarin once, and um, I always get really excited when I talk, and because I have so much inflection in my voice, any languages that depend on inflection for comprehension are just lost to me because I get too excited and I can't do the inflection right. I don't know if you try to tackle Mandarin, but it's kind of a nightmare in that oh, regard. Yeah. I, I just can't do oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get into your life here because you're extraordinary. You've got a lot of projects you go on in here. And oh, what I love – no, listen. <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm a teacher. I encourage women, especially women, to write to be productive and to write and to create art. And a lot of times women don't, uh, girls don't understand that women have been suppressed for thousands of years from sculpting to painting to writing to learning to all kinds of different things. I mean, the only predatory thing women have had for the past 10,000 years have been man. So when I look at a, a woman who has writing credits, producing credits, acting credits, that's somebody who is doing something opposed to sitting on their tuchus and not doing a damn thing. So I I'm, I'm I was very happy to see this and and I was oh I loved you in the trailer of the fifth pastor I've not been able to see it so please tell us how did you how did you start off in this industry did you did you start off as a writer did you go into acting first I see that acting is is your first gig yeah um, well thank you so much for saying all that that's that's really that's amazing because I I think the same way and and I think um, I think everyone with a a minimized voice should create more, and and I think that is starting to happen. And I'm just so grateful to be here during this time because I feel like all these voices are rising up. Um, but yes, I I moved down here to to Los Angeles to attend the American Academy of Dramatic Art. I always loved creating things growing up, and I just decided that um, acting was my absolute passion, so I should follow that because that's what I loved most. So it brought me to LA, and I studied. And um, it was funny because actually in high school, all of my teachers told me that I should write, and I just kind of, you know, scoffed at them because I loved acting and, and I wanted to act, so I didn't really focus on writing. 
but I I started, you know, doing some gigs and getting in some independent films and I met some really great filmmakers and just being around directors and writers and and learning more about the business and seeing how technology is evolving around us, I just realized that if I wanted to really act in the roles I wanted to be in that I just needed to write them. And so when um, when I met this great filmmaker in, um, through USC and I was in some of student films and we ended up making a short film together, um, uh, I wrote this role that I, that I loved and we told this story that we both loved. And I just it was such a positive experience that when Scott came to me with this idea that he had and, and he told it to me, I just, I loved it with this really strong, intelligent female lead in this beautiful sci-fi story, um, a very simple idea, but, but brilliant in its simplicity. I just said yes, and, and let's do this, and let's write this story and see where it goes. Well, you're, you're, you have three writing credits right now, going to two-star, working out the kinks to Fifth Passenger, which... That is that is really awesome to go from two short projects going on to, you know, the Fifth Passenger where you have two pop pop uh, sci-fi icons on there. Uh, that's pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't I like to ask. So lucky. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely, I feel very lucky. You're 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 absolutely blessed. I, but you know, I, I see I see the way things are working out for you as a sci-fi writer. What what is what kind of message are you trying to to come across with? Because a lot of people have their own uh, images of the future or what they want to see out of the future based on you know sex, creed, religion, you, you know social structure, all that stuff. What what is your voice behind sci-fi? Well, <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm just trying to put you on the spot. Nothing serious. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. I think um, I think as artists, we all have specific voices. And, um, you know, this was Scott's idea originally, and, and he came to me. Yes. And I've always loved sci-fi. I've always watched sci-fi. Um, I also love fantasy a lot, too, because um, just I think growing up in the time that I did, I, I love fantasy movies as well. Um, so to me, as an artist, I always look for the spine of the story, and I always want to make sure that there's a strong spine, a strong message. Um, and in this particular story, to me, it is being that woman in a man's world, and how do you navigate that? And um, and But then really, because of the story, it's a broader scheme, and I think ultimately this is a film about... Um, survival and um and family and and who you are when things get really ugly. So yeah. Well you play Eve Miller in in, in the film. Uh, who is your character in, in in without giving too much away, what is, what place does she have on this vehicle that's that's steering out of control? Um She's a navigational officer, and she is not, as Scott mentioned before, there, there's a hierarchy. There are citizens, and there's non-citizens. Oh, so you're, a non- you're, you're navigation? Yes, but I'm so a you're, non-citizen. So you're the one to blame for this. <laughs> uh, actually, I try to save everyone. <laughs> no. Um, Do they blame, they blame you in the movie? <laughs> Do they, they have to blame you in the film. They have to. <laughs> Just a little bit. 
Your navigation. Where are we? I'm trying to get us back on track. <laughs> well, that's that's part of the story. Is, is they're they're lost in this escape pod and they're trying to get back on track so they can get picked up and get rescued. And so my character is is trying constantly to get the pod functioning again so they can get back to that mother mothership and and back to the caravan route so they can get to that new planet. Right. So you're you're basically their Hermione of this story, where you know the 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 woman is almost on the side doing all the work, as the men are doing the drama and almost punching each other in the face. <laughs> I'll take that. I love Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the navigation officer. So were you were you aware of who Tim Russ was or or Marina Sirtis before you, before you entered this project, before you started writing, or before they were in, introduced? Did you know who these people were? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, when I was growing up, we always watched The Next Gen. Like, that was, my mother was obsessed with it. It was always on the TV. Whenever it was on, we watched it and followed it religiously. Um, in fact, I didn't even realize that um, Picard's name was actually Patrick Stewart until I went to acting school. Like, I didn't realize, like, you know, like, you know, when you're a kid and you don't yeah. realize that mom and dad actually have real names? It was kind of like that. Like, <laughs> to me, Patrick Stewart was always Picard. Captain Picard, that's all he is, but he's not. He has this huge, huge body of work, and he's an incredible actor. But, yeah, so yes. I absolutely knew who Marina Sirtis was. And I've seen a couple, before growing up, I saw a couple uh, Voyager episodes. Um, and so I recognized him, but I had to go back and watch a bunch of them again just to really get familiar with his work. Um, and they're they're in these incredible... TV shows, they're they're in Star Trek. They were, but they're also these incredible actors, and so exciting to work with such incredible actors. I I really am looking forward to it, and um, I can't, like I said, I, I just feel very very lucky that we were able to get them on and get them excited and on board and and do this with us. It's, nice. it's incredible. Well, you have you have Ethan Phillips, you have Manu, and oh my gosh, this and name Rainey. is going to drive me nuts. I know. Yes, it's a beautiful name. <laughs> and then Ryan D. Husk and, and you know, playing Franklin and Myers and Thompson and Roger Blaine and Eve Miller. This is this is a really nice I mean, when you're talking about like the fifth passenger and you have a cast like this, I mean that's a very tight crew of human beings together. That's that's pretty it reminds me a little bit of Firefly, but a darker Firefly because you have a crew of a certain amount of people that are trying to do a certain amount of things and it's it's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Thanks, thanks. So we, when you, we're actually going to add some more to the cast as well as we as we move forward. We can't quite announce it yet, but there's going to be some more people on that we're really excited about as well. So that's yeah. awesome. That is awesome. So as these scenes are coming along, and you know, and, and obviously you're listening to Scott because Scott's right there, and you're listening to Scott, you know, tell you that he was shocked to get some of these huge names and have them jump aboard. Uh, basically, a, 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 you know, because the other films didn't have gigantic stars in it, but this film is now having pop icons in it, so it's quite a leap. Um, did you feel that yourself, coming from other projects, coming to this, that it, it is a, a little bit of a leap, or going into a different atmosphere or stratosphere? Um. Well, we hope so. I mean, I think everyone is always looking to do better work and to evolve as an artist and as a filmmaker and. Um, to me, I'm I'm just thrilled, and I I'm just taking it as it comes. And you know, there's been 
Monty's been really helping us with this, and and uh, I think I think that the film is becoming what the film wants to be, and I think that's an amazing thing. And and I'm just very grateful to be a part of it, and I'm really excited to bring something that I think the fans will really like. And well, did you that have, was did my you have expectations? Did you have expectations of the film when you were first writing it? Did you have certain you know, uh, desires of what you want that were met. Um, and then when these guys come on, it's kind of like a over that me or something, something in that area. Well, I just want to bring the best product that I can to everyone. And I want to bring something excellent. I want to do my absolute best work with the absolute best people and and bring something that people will really enjoy and it will get them to think and get them excited. And, um, you know, I... I, I heard you talk about how you, you did a lot of plays in theater and, and I mean, plays in, in college, and so did I. And what I love about someone like all these playwrights, I love reading plays, I love reading scripts, because every time I do it, I learn a new aspect of the human condition and what does it mean to be human and, um, you know, going through Shakespearean science, like how many ways can you talk about love and and the different facets of love, and, and that taught me how to be a better human. And so I think... You know, as filmmakers, we always want to bring stories, you know, about the human condition and how can we make it a little bit better or help someone. And so that's what I want to do with this story and hopefully with all of my work. Right. You know, you have a lot of things going on right now, especially in 2014, going into 2015. I mean, you finished uh, Starship Rising, where you play Torino, mm-hmm. and that's 2014. You have Stay Inside, which is still in post-production, and Frenic, where you play uh, Amelia, where it's still in post-production right now, and then Fifth Passenger, where you play Eve Miller. So you've got three movies in the can right now that are basically going towards uh, going towards post. How, how is that feeling for you right now? It's fantastic. I love working. Um, it's my most favorite thing, being on set and working with great professionals and being part of a good story. Um, I believe yes. Starship is actually already released. I think you can find it on Amazon already, and... Scott, do you know where else? Uh, I think it, it might wow. be available in stores on DVD. Right? Yeah, I think you can find it on DVD in stores, and it's on Amazon. Um, that was actually one of Neil's films, his latest film. It's um, the first part of a two-parter, and um, I met Neil through Scott. Oh, and it was, Yeah, it was an incredible experience. Neil's an incredible filmmaker, and it was really a lot of fun to be a part of that. So... Yeah. Don't worry about it, ladies and gents. We're, we're going to put all this information online. We're going to put all this information on on Facebook uh, as well as uh, on the Blog Talk Radio as well as on Twitter. It, all the stuff's going to be blasted out. So as you're hearing uh, our, our guests talk about their projects, we're going to put all the stuff on there so you can get to it as well. Uh, that that's amazing. That so when you when you wrap that up, um, what's the feeling after that? Do you feel a, a obvi- you know obviously we, we've been through this product before, but our 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 listening audience have not, a lot of them are young. A lot of them have not gone through the media or have not been actors, and they're trying to be actors. Tell me, what is the feeling you get when you're done with a film and you don't know what's next, especially after you've done something successful? There, there must have been a gap in between some of these projects. What, what happened, and, and how did you overcome that or, or, go, or push through that? Oh, I, I'm very sentimental. And I get nostalgic. So as Scott mentioned, like being on set is like being with a family. And so the strange thing is when the film is over, the family dissipates. 
And so I would kind of miss them, and I get a little sad. But you always have to, you know, that's why going back to writing, if you are always writing as an actor, then you always have something going on. And um, so I was able to, every time, come back to Scott and work on this script and move it forward in any way we could. And and, um, we actually had a second script we've been working on. It's it's also a sci-fi. It's a lightly sci-fi movie. Um, No, I would say it's fairly sci-fi. Um, but it's here on Earth, and um, and I love working on that too. And I and I love writing, and and I'm grateful to to have decided to start writing because you can always come home and write. Maybe you can't always go on set and act, or or um, you know pick up a camera and and do something with somebody else. But you can always come home and get on your laptop and start writing something. So that's what I do. Right. Now, now you have now you have. Um... You have Scott right next to you, right? Now, Scott, can you get on the, can you get on the phone with 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 uh, with with Morgan? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Uh, let me ask you both a question together. Um, when you're filming the film, obviously all three of you are are, are, are I mean, excuse me, the both of you are, are part of the same project as far as being writer producer, and then Scott, you're going to be the director. How does that how does that feel jumping from the creative process of creating a product and then going? You go into directing and you go into acting. It seems like a, a really nice symbiosis, but sometimes that can go wrong. Tell me, how, how was that relationship like for you two, and how did it work out in the end of filming? Um, well, I mean, you know, everybody knows that I'm in charge, and I just enforce that. So, You would do what I say. Yeah, yeah. As long as everybody does what I say, then it works. Like um, no, it's, uh, you know... You know, for me, it's it's about it's about constant communication with everybody. You know, um, right. you know, I, I'm I'm always talking with Morgan about the project. I'm talking with the actors, and I and, I, and I'm talking with with the different crew people, and 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 I'm telling them what 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 I expect about the project, and and what you know, depending on on what their particular thing is, what I what. What what I'm hoping is going to happen. Um, so so you know if it, if it's an actor, I'm I'm talking with him about about the character and, and and how I see the certain scenes. And if it's the if it's the if it's the cinematographer, you know we're going over storyboards. Um, and if it's you know the the sound guy, where you know we're talking about what what kind of stuff is going to be happening that 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 they need to be ready for. And and so so when when the day happens that we're that we're actually shooting, it's it's just you know it's like uh, it's like an orchestra and 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 I'm just a conductor in that I'm not right. I'm not playing any one of the instruments I'm not telling anybody how to play their instrument but they all know what 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 instrument they're playing and 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 what the song is and that that's the most important thing is 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 you know everybody knows what the song is and everybody knows right. what their role is and and you know me giving everybody the freedom to do that and then you know just just a little tweaks along the way as as things go um and, and and that's why you know, you know I you know you can never you can never overplan something whether it's you know doing storyboards or or doing rehearsals with actors and and, and things like that it's, you know any any little thing that that you can do before you get there and the cameras start rolling um you know helps you and and makes everybody like know what to expect from a project and so that you know you don't you don't have you don't have very many problems because cause there's always something that's going to go wrong. You're going to get there and there's a particular piece of equipment that's not going to work or somebody doesn't show up because traffic is terrible or, you know, there's there's so many unexpected things that can go wrong that, you know, it's, it's 
it's your duty as like producer, director, kind of to to work out as many of those things that you know ahead of time. That way, you, you know you can you can deal with the unexpected things instead of you know like I I can't even tell you the number of productions I've done where they where they don't do storyboards and so they're on the right. day they're trying to figure out what what the camera angles are going to be and that to me is just like the most simple and fundamental thing that you can do is knowing exactly where you want the camera to be in every scene because you know where it's going to cut from one thing to another. Um, and, you know, you know, you do that kind of stuff ahead of time, and it just makes everything else just kind of flow when, when you get there on, on the day. Hmm. Morgan, did you find it hard to, to, to pop the, the producer hat off your head and, and get into the acting gig, or was it, was it quite simple for you? Um, when I made two star, it was kind of difficult because I, I kept wanting to, cause I always want people to have a good time on set and to be taken care of and, and everything to run smoothly. But I had to constantly remind myself that I needed to act. And, um, so I, when we made the trailer, I was, it was easier for me to transition into that and to, to just let Scott do his role and let the, DP do his role, and I'm going to do my role, and that's what we're here for. So, um, so I, I'm just going to let that go and focus on acting when I'm on set because that's what I have to do. So it sounds like to, to me, like you two, especially you, Scott, you, you trusted the people you hired to do the job you hired them to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that's the great thing about it is, is you know, um, most people in this industry are are doing it because it's what they want to do. Um, you know, if, if, if it was about the money, you know, people would be bankers and lawyers and things like that. Um, you know, you know, people are artists in, in this, in this industry and, and they love the opportunity to be able to do what they, what they want to do. And, and, you know, like I said, I, 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 I build my team based on other people that I've worked with and I've had good experiences with. And that's, and, and that's a great thing is to, you know, trusting someone, um, it's it's not so much me giving them something; it's they're giving me something. They're giving me that peace of mind that I don't have to worry about what they're doing because I know they're going to do their job and they're going to do it great. And it it might not be exactly the way I thought it was going to be, but I know they know what they're doing, and so they're going to do it the way that seems best for them. And and you know that's that's how projects come together. Um, if I'm there micromanaging every little thing or I can't trust the sound guy, you know. Like, I can't do. I can't do 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 what I do. So, yeah, I, I think I think that's that's an important thing. There's a, there's a large amount of humility to that, you know. I, I working locate, you know, working on films throughout my adult life and child life. I loved watching directors who just trusted the people they hired, opposed to mm-hmm. micromanaging everything. It just seemed it just seemed insane to me. Yeah. Well, you can't, you know, in the end, you just really can't because you'll wear yourself out. And, you know, the fact is is that these people are amazing. They're professionals. They're talented, and that's why you hire them. So let them do their thing, and and it makes the project better. Right. I remember doing a play. I was directing a play in college, and and, uh, one of my actors said to me, he said, "Um, you know, what should I I do in this scene? And I I told him what they should do. And they wanted more and more explanation, and I, I said, Listen, if you don't know how to act, then maybe you shouldn't be in this play. 
They're like, well, I, I want to be directed. I'm like, there's a difference between being directed and being told what to do. You know, yeah. because I, I, cause I, we're blocking the, we're blocking the play. Everything is set out for you. We're blocking the play. All, all the math is there. All the call signs are there. The talks, the talkbacks, the reaction, the responses. But this person wanted more, you know, horse trotting. Do you find that that, that happens with some actors, uh, beginners, or even advanced actors? And how do you handle that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't I haven't had that particular problem so much. I mean, um, you know, a, a, occasionally I, I get somebody that, that's having trouble finding finding what it is for for a particular role. Um, and right. you know, that, that's an interesting thing with with the trailer was, you know, we weren't shooting full scenes; we were shooting just little snippets of scenes, um, and and they were you know things just to. You know, give give the idea about what the what the movie's about, and so I was a- asking these actors to come in and say one or two lines of what would normally right. be like a five page scene. Um, and so, you know, that that took a little bit, but you know, it's that stuff ahead of time where if if the actor's good and and they know fundamentally who their character is and and what the particular situation that they're in, um, you know, they they can they can do that. Uh, I, I I know I, I guess I've I've just been fortunate that that I haven't I haven't had the experience of working with so many bad actors. Um, I, I guess I've just been, well, been really fortunate in that. Just 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 by the the little bit of information I'm hearing and, and the little bit that we know of each other right now through through talking and, and through your activity, it, I I don't see those type of personalities coming your way. Uh, you you seem very humble and, and very very cat not casual but. Uh, you know, directed at what you want to do. I can't. I can't imagine some flip flopper coming onto your set. That'd be kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, your and films that, are that, just that, jumping up. Oh, I was just saying, and, and that's the thing too is like you know, casting. You know, hopefully, if you're, you know, if you're if you're if you're cognizant right. enough when you're when you're putting the film together, then you can, you know, uh, you know, weed out those people that are that are gonna, um, you know, aren't good actors or you know whatever they are. Right. Well, you know, I, I, you know, we're running out of time, unfortunately. Yeah, we have a, we have, we have a little bit of time left, but I want to get to crowdfunding. So huh? Ma- Matthew Hunt, you know, he's just he's hounding me with these questions, and and I love, thank you, Matthew, <laughs> love very much. Matthew. Hounding us with these questions, <laughs> I, I dig it. Uh, you're you're actually producing my show today, and I, I very much enjoy that. Um, <laughs> his question is, <laughs> when are you going to open up crowdfunding, and mm-hmm. do you have a budget yet? And I think that's an excellent yes. question because we were just asking that in the break. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna launch our our uh, Kickstarter campaign um, this Thursday, October ninth, which is also my birthday, um, and nice. uh, we're going to be um, asking for fifty thousand dollars to get through our first phase of of production. Um, like mm-hmm. like you um, had were were talking before about Netflix and Crouching Tiger and all that, you know, the landscape is changing on how films are are, are being made. Um, and it's not it's not the the case where you can go to a studio with your script, your original script, and say, hey, this is the story I want to make, and have them give you the money to make it. So, um, you know, we we have an amazing opportunity to shoot at Space Command Studios at the end of this year. Um, and so, so what that means for us is shooting a film in in, in a couple different phases. And um, phase one is going gonna, is gonna to begin this winter um, with, with the support of the fans. 
Um, and so, so we're asking for for fifty thousand dollars to get us get us through that first phase of of production. Nice. You know, let me speak to my audience for just a second here. You know, crowdfunding has been going on for a, for a long time lately, and, and these days, a lot of crowdfunding is being um, uh, bombarded by video game uh, developments and, and a lot of independent games, and some of them have gone in a in a bad direction as as far as uh, money's not being returned or, or projects not being finished and what have you. I want to remind my audience that this is the video game industry because I, I understand we're, that we as an audience and me as a host we're part of the same world: video games, comic books, sci-fi, movies, the whole deal. But there is a separation between films and and video games. Video games is a tumultuous um, media right now, media media background right now, where things are up in the air. If you if you see anything about MediaGate or, or GameGate, it's it's really a ridiculous funding. If you're looking at movies right now, <clears throat> excuse me, th- these movies that they're doing right now, like The Fifth Passenger, and all of these uh, crowdfunding movies made by made by like the Star Trek world or the BSG world, a lot of a lot of my audience have never seen the web series uh, for BSG, which changes the entire format of the last season. By the way, you haven't. A lot of my audience have never seen uh, the web episodes, so. When we're talking about this, Scott, we're talking about your crowdfunding coming up. How is your crowdfunding mm-hmm. different? How can we get to it? Um, how can we be a part of it? Um, I, how much do you need? What is the budget? I, I know you said it, but I, I couldn't hear it clearly. Oh, okay. Well, um, you can you can get to our crowdfunding to um, through our, our website, fifthpassenger.com. And what we're going to do is um, on, on the day that, that the crowdfunding that the, that the Kickstarter goes live, we're going to um, redirect the web page to the Kickstarter page. So you just go to fitpassenger.com and it will take you to the Kickstarter. Or if you're already like a Kickstarter person, like you're somebody who, who goes on Kickstarter and likes to fund campaigns, then obviously you can just search Fifth Passenger and find us there. Um, and, and we have our, our, our Facebook fan page, which is just you know facebook.com slash fitpassenger. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as like how ours is different, um, I, I think, um, ours is not too different from a lot of the other films that are out there in that what, what we're doing essentially is, is giving, giving the audience a film and giving the audience the opportunity to be a part of this film as it's being made, um, uh, our, our, our film is different in that we have some of these great Star Trek actors, um, and, and I think that we have this awesome, unique story that that is hasn't been told and is, is, is in a genre that I think is often done poorly, um, sci-fi thriller. I think, you know, maybe once a decade we get a really good sci-fi thriller film. Um, but, you know, what, what, what we want to do is... is you know, it's it's almost like you're you're pre-ordering the movie. It's like you're buying the movie before it's made, and so you get to you right. get to to help help us make it along the way. And you know, we send video updates of what we're doing as far as making the film, behind the scenes stuff, um, interviews with the cast so and keeping, crew. So keeping people up to date and keeping them involved in the project and and letting them know where their money is going to. So you're doing all that stuff. Yes, 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 for sure. Because cause, cause that's the exciting thing. It's, it's that it's that extra step of. I mean, it's so easy now to to 
you know, whether it's it's Twitter or Vine or or, or Instagram or, or Facebook oh, sure. to be able to to like communicate and show people live what we're doing on set and um, you know behind the scenes you know videos and stills and things like that and so that's that's all going to be part of of what we're offering and you know we're going to have other you know great perks for people um, you know memorabilia from the film or or you know all those kinds of things that that but, you know honestly a lot of the other films are done and so, so there's not that much that's different as far as our right. film goes but I I think I think the great thing about us is that we have these amazing sets to work with. We have this amazing cast and crew, um, and, and, and this film is, is going to get made. It's not like, oh, you're, you're throwing money into a, a, a black hole and, and, and maybe a movie will, will spit out you right. know, years later or something like that. You know, I mean, this, this, this movie is going to get made, and um, it's, it's going to get seen, and it's going to be out there. And so we're, we're offering a, you know, people a chance to come aboard and, you know, like I said, we uh, as far as the budget stuff goes, we we have we have a larger budget for like what the entire film is going to cost to make. Um, but for this first phase of production, we're we're asking for fifty thousand um, dollars to to uh, get the sets where they need to be to do our costumes and the the, the practical effects like the alien creature um, and to to pay the cast and crew to shoot. Um, and so. That's that's where we're at for this first phase of production. Well, I think I think crowdfunding is is genius. You know, when I was talking to Robert Tiasco about uh, doing the uh, the Star Trek offshoot films, the the films where, and I don't want to give this the storyline away too much, but they give an offshoot film of of uh, Wesley Crusher's father mm-hmm. in, in that universe. Oh. That, that is that is really awesome. I'm sincerely yeah. awesome, and. Yeah, I, I would pay. I would pay to see that in, in any kind of crowdfunding. You know, and when we were children, you know, you and I, Scott, when we were kids, and you know, they were talking about the X Men film. I mean, you and I would pay a dollar, ten dollars, if somebody said, "If you give me ten bucks, you'll see an X Men movie in a year." I'd pay ten yeah. bucks. I'd be like, "Here's yeah, yeah. my ten bucks. Put my name right there." So, yeah. if oh. someone came up to me, you know, fifteen years ago and said, "You know, we thought Wesley Crusher didn't get the right ending that he should have gotten. He should have." probably quit when he did we're going to make a brand new series based on his his father's character and maybe bring him in later on we need 10 bucks from you i'd be like here's 20 yeah. make it fast uh-huh. make it faster <laughs> so i think the crowdfunding right so i think the crowdfunding thing is, is really just just fantastic are there are there perks to to donating to the film um like signed autographs or titles or anything like that that you're that you're giving yeah, away yeah, for yeah. for um certain contributions yeah 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 yeah, definitely. We're gonna have we're gonna have all of those kinds of things. Um, we're gonna have things from physical stuff like obviously DVDs and Blu-rays and posters and 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 that kind of stuff. And then and then also like like non-physical items like obviously you know be able to download a copy of the the movie or or download the soundtrack or um, uh, you know download the script or um, uh, uh, you know illustrations from the, from the concept art. Um, credits in the thing, like you can get, like you know, depending on how much you give, you can get a like like a special thanks, or you can get um, you can get your name in the credits as as a, like a like like a contributing producer and things like that. Depending, I mean, even you know, we're we'll, we're gonna have a couple like uh, high tier items, like you can get a walk on role and, and things like that. So um, you know, we're we're that we're trying awesome. to you know you know 
spread it out because there's there's people that say, hey, I only got ten bucks I can spare, and then there's there's some people out there who are like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I've never been part of a science fiction film, and I've always wanted to, and I've got five thousand dollars lying around. So, so um, <laughs> you know, and I want to. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when, when I, was, I was part of Space Command, that was one of the things that they did, and and they had um, I, I met some of those guys that that came on and did did like the walk on roles, and they were, I mean, they were so excited, and they had a great time. We had like a a special thing set up for them there. Um, you know, they they sat down and had lunch with the with the rest of the cast and crew. Um, and you know they got to put on costumes and run around in front of the green screen and and um, so you know you know we're gonna you know provide some of those those same opportunities um, because you know here here in LA or, or whatever you know there's there's sort of like a like a um, malaise about like the film industry I know some people kind of kind of roll their eyes up about it but you know people in other, other parts of the world don't don't get those opportunities to to experience the film industry and. And um, to to make some of these people people's dreams come true, having them come out and be a part of the film, whether it's you know they get to come to the red carpet event um, when when the film shows, or they get to have the walk-on role, or they get to have their name in the credits. Um, you know, it's all about uh, how can how can they help us, and how can we help them, and um, you know make everybody's dreams come true. You know, what's really interesting is that through, through crowdfunding, you're you're very much producing Hollywood the way it used to be when we were very young, whereas you did things for favors and then other people also did things for favors and you gave things back. It was very much a bartering system of, of how Hollywood worked and everything got done and everything, everybody got what they wanted. Yeah. So I, yeah, I really like this, this crowd. But... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's what's so awesome about, about the indie film industry is, is, is that we can, we can do those kinds of things and, and, and we can make stories like, like Fifth Passenger that, the you know the big studios don't want to touch because it's not a, a Marvel film or it's it's not a superhero movie that right. already has yeah. a, a a known property you know it's 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 a new idea and there's so few new ideas that come out because the studios just don't want to take a chance and you know I I understand right. that that's business and that's that's what they do they're dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars and who, who wants to gamble hundreds of millions of dollars on a story that 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 um, you know, doesn't already have a comic book or a graphic novel or a TV show or a breakfast cereal. You know, just out of curiosity, what 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 cameras are you using uh, on on the Fifth Element and or the fifth, excuse me, the Fifth Passenger? Wow, uh, I thought about that earlier yeah. today. Uh, <laughs> which, which cameras are you using on the Fifth Passenger and and which uh, I'm sure that was a subconscious thing as well because it's going to be a great thing for marketing. And, and yeah, what right. are the cameras you're going to be using <laughs> on, on, the, on the next? Right? <laughs> I mean, like I want yeah. the, fifth, uh, the Fifth Passenger. Yeah, and what okay. cameras, like motion cameras, are you going to be using for the next film? Um, well, we used we used the Red Scarlet for the for the trailer, um, and yes. and that that's our that was our our plan going into the feature. Um, I've been personally, I own the the Black Magic camera, and I've been using that on a lot of projects, and and I really like the way it looks. Um, it, it looks different than the Red, um, and you know, it, what, what do you have? I, um, I have I have one of the Black Magic cameras. Because um, I have I have two Black Magic 4Ks. Oh okay, yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 I like it. It's it's a different look than the red. And and you know I I, I hear all the signals going up of flame wars and fanboys and things like that. And um, you know, but um, so we haven't quite settled as far as which camera we're going to use. Um, 
but you know, to me, the camera is is a tool like anything else, and it's so much more important what you're pointing the camera at than what camera it is you're specifically using. And as long as you you have a a, a good cinematographer behind it, um, you know, you're going to end up with with a good a good product. Um, I mean, our uh, you know, like I said, our, our our initial plan was was to go with the red and and shoot that because of the 4K, and that gives you a lot of room as as far as any green screen stuff you're doing, reframing and all those, all those advantages. But um, those, those are you know some of the things that we're we're still working on narrowing down exactly the specifics on on, on that kind of stuff. Back, the reason why I mention this because back back when in like the 1980s when we used to watch films and you see Paramount's movies, Columbia's movies, Warner Brothers movies, they'd have a different grain, they'd have a different mm-hmm. lighting plan. You know, you know maybe Paramount would be more blue. And 20th Century uh-huh. Fox would be a little more green or browns. It's it's very interesting because you know like Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan, different people are going towards, and they're sticking to film now, and they can yeah. because they can afford it, of course. Um, yeah. But I'm seeing how the the digital is really sticking around and really making a plan for the for the long run, and I really like that. Um, do yeah. you have plans in the future to go towards film, or or is digital doing exactly what you want it to do? Um, you you know to. To be perfectly honest with you, I've never shot a production with film. Um, mm. Like I said earlier, I started off using VHS and Betamax, and then right. when when the, the when the smaller consumer level digital cameras came on, high eight and things like that, I used those. Um, and then when HD came around, I used those. And so I, I've always been I've always been in the the more digital realm. Um, and it, that doesn't mean that I, I would never use film um, if if I met up with a qualified cinematographer that knew film and, and said, hey, let's shoot this project, and, and they were confident they could do it and we had the budget, yeah, like, that would be awesome. Um, but, you know, digital does everything I needed to do, um, and, you know, lenses are important, and, and having good lenses, I think, goes a long way to to making things look good and, and every new generation of cameras I think looks better and better and better. Um, right. and it's, it's not about resolution. It's, it's about the quality of, of the, of the sensor and things yeah. like that. And that's one of the reasons I like the black magic. Cause I, I mean, I, I have the pocket version, so it's not even 4k, but, but, but the sensor is amazing. Right. I, I just, I just like the look it and is. the feel of, of the footage I get from it. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I think digital's great and, and it's, it's so accessible to people and it's so quick and immediate and uh, everybody can see right. what's going on and there, there are so many advantages to it. And, and I know, I know the, you know, the purists out there for, for film and, and I, I get why they do that, but you know, it's, it's not the world that I come from. Um, and um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but you know, where I'm at right now, I think, I think digital is awesome and it gives us, so much to do, and as long as you know how to work with it, it's it's great, and you can get a fantastic product out of it. Well, well Morgan and Scott, you, you two have been at the light, and this two hours have slid by so fast, it, it's ridiculous. But uh, Morgan, before we go, please, how could we reach you? How could we get in contact with all the all the projects you're getting involved with? What are the major mainstays that we can find the great Morgan? <laughs> um, well, I'm on Twitter 
at Morgan Lariah. That's probably the best place to find me. Uh, Fifth Passenger is also on Twitter at Fifth Passenger. And we're constantly on there interacting with everyone. Um, we love everyone who talks to us. We love talking to people about, you know, Star Trek and sci-fi and space and the project and the business and anything really. So that's a really good place to find us. And as Scott mentioned, Fifth Passenger is also on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash Fifth Passenger. So that's another great place to find us. Um, no, and we, I just can't, say we can't wait to see you in the film. Oh, thank you. I thank you so much for having us and and for all of your questions. It's been a really great show, and I'm so glad that um, you mentioned Ryan T. Husk earlier because I didn't get a chance to talk about him. But we're we're so excited to have him co-produce this with us and be in it. And he's an incredible guy, and I I'm just really really happy he's he's here with us and and that he hooked us up with you and that we got to be on your show. Well, thank you so much. I, you, you... It's very nice to meet nice people, talk about their projects, and and watch what they're doing. Art is such a, a really a fantastic gig. Um, yeah, it's such an honor yeah. to do it. I, I talked to somebody maybe a year ago, some fool, and he, he was talking about war, and I said, "Yeah, war kind of sucks." And he goes, "Well, what do you get with peace, art?" And he asked me that question <laughs> seriously, and I looked in the face and I went, "Uh, yeah, art, you know, like X Men Apocalypse and stuff." It's like. I think that's way more important than going to another country and shooting somebody, bro. But okay, yeah. everybody has their priorities. Uh, thank you so much for for seeing that. I really appreciate that. And 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 Scott, Scott, thank you very much for being on the show. Very articulate. Um, now I want Morgan. Before I let you go, one, one thing, and I, and I hate doing this to you, but for the women in the audience out there, is there anything that that you can say that because there's been a lot of women bashing going on the past couple of weeks for like Gamergate and a lot of weird stuff in the world where women are not kind of getting their just due or, or kind of feel bad about themselves. It's very strange. It, you know, and one of the reasons why I did the show was because I wanted people to come on with positive mindsets, positive stories, and to share it with people who want to progress in their careers as well. That's, that's exactly yeah. the reason why I did it. And to meet nice people. What can you say to young women today to get them to... Damn it, pick up a pencil and write a book, will you? What, 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 what can you say to, to them? Um, well, I I think that all women... Um, well, I hate the word feminist because I, it has a negative connotation, um, as you know now. Um, I think it more as a, yes. a humanist. You know, I, I call myself... Well, I don't call myself, but I think of it as humanity and... For all women and all artists, I think we have to we have to know that we have voices and our stories and our experiences are valid, and that they will help other people and so when you share them, they help other people and so do create if you're a painter, paint if you're a writer, write um, if you're an actor, act all of these things are so important, and don't question their importance if you feel the necessity to do it, if you feel the need to do it, there's a reason for that and you should you should do it because you don't know who it's going to help and it will help you as well in the long run. Right. The the, the, the women that I see in, in roles are, are icons to me and I always have been since I was a child. That's one of the reasons why I mentioned that. I'm talking to my wife and talking about different things. You know, I look at Ripley from Aliens and she is just the mega god of sci-fi heroes. And then you go into Firefly, and then you go, 
right? And then you you go all yeah. these different series, like ter- Terminator, and you see these incredibly strong women in sci- gravity. Um, you see incredibly strong women in sci-fi worlds. I'm, I'm very... When I saw The Fifth Passenger and I saw that you're part of it and I saw the trailer, I was very happy to see an ensemble cast. I was very happy to see lots of different personalities, a lot of different things. That's what that drew me to that project. So uh, thank you very much for saying yeah. that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, this guy, I and and, and I, I hate to... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's one of the amazing gifts sci-fi has brought us, that women can be intelligent and they can be strong, and they can be attractive. They can be all these things, and you know they're still human beings, and they're not one particular thing. They're they're a 3D person um, with many many facets and many talents. And I think that's one of the best things about sci-fi. I mean, there's many great things, but that's one of them, and one of the first places you could find that. Well, Morgan, I, I bet you I bet you five bucks that my audience does not know that the Terminator and the Matrix was created by a woman. She wrote the books as the war against machines happening, like Terminator. And then the war, machines win, and then it turns into the Matrix. And then the final battle happens for them to get out. How do we know that this is the truth? She won the biggest settlement in Hollywood history next to James Cameron's wife when they got a divorce. So, yeah. So the, the two properties, the Matrix and the Terminator, that, are, that, that guys always see as being their shtick, was created by a woman. So I, I, I love that stuff, you know. I, I love that gig. So, anyways, we're running out of time. Scott, how can how can we get in touch with you? How can how can we find you um, and, and get in touch with uh, your projects as well? Um, well, I'm uh, you know through, through the Fifth Passenger, all of those things that we mentioned. I, I'm there. Um, my personal Twitter is uh, Mr. Scotty Baker, um, and then my kind of um, uh, production page is VeganCannibals.com, and so there's links to some of the the short films that I've done, um, like my my Steadicam stuff and and everything like that. Nice. And the crowdfunding, uh, we're going to put a link onto our Facebook. So let's let's get in touch uh, maybe uh, tomorrow and get that uh, attached as soon as possible, so everybody knows. Uh, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Scott. Yeah. Scott, Scott, and, and 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 Morgan, thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure. You two are incredible personalities and we can't wait to see more projects from you in the future thanks uh, thank you Steve. yeah thanks thanks so much for having us on it's it's, it's been a pleasure thank here you. too truly awesome awesome have yourself a great weekend thank you so much god bless you thanks. all right all right that was great guys having those two on was fantastic ah oh, what a show well it's almost time to go Great morning, great afternoon. It's going to be a great night as well. Morgan Lariah. Scott Baker. Ryan T. Husk. Producers on The Fifth Passenger. Crowdfunding beginning on their new film very, very soon. Two excellent guests. Writers, producers, actors... directors they filled the gambit did you notice how positive the personalities were it matters you see how happy they were it matters you see how well they got along with each other it matters 
Listen, boys and girls, it matters that you get along with each other. It matters that we care about each other. It matters that we care about the art we're doing with each other. It's easy to hate each other. It's easy to hate on each other's projects. But in reality, we want to see each other succeed. Of course we do. So I cannot wait to see the fifth passenger. So thank you very much to our guests today. God bless them. Thank you so much. Before we go today, my sister is having her baby today. That will be a uncle, what, uh, five times over now? That'll be really nice. Tanya, I love you. I hope everything's going okay. And I can't wait to see my new nephew. I got the news today at uh, uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. It was awesome. Awesome news. Maybe not so much for my brother, though. It's going to be a great weekend, everybody. Go out there, get some ice cream, grab the world by its shoulders and shake it. It's a fantastic place to live. And watch a movie. This is your host, Steve Pisa, on Cinema Files Radio. Thank you very much for listening in today. We have a great guest next week. Since we record these episodes live, I do not like to pre-announce our uh, guest, because it could change any second now. We're going to have a great guest on next week. Same as always. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. God bless you. Have yourself a great weekend. Buy yourself a donut. They're delicious. Oh, P.S. Thank you to Wayne Smoke Shack in Colorado. Wayne's Smoke Shack. Their food is off the hook. Fantastic ribs in Colorado. Wayne's Smoke Shack. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening today. Have yourself a great weekend. And like I said earlier, eat a donut. (laughs) God bless. Have a great weekend.